Welcome to The Theatre Project. Today, The Theatre Project is thinking about up-and-coming playwrights. Our third place winner of our 2023 Young Playwrights competition, Nicole Beltry, introduces an audio reading of her award-winning play, El Latido del Corazón, followed by an interview with Young Playwright Competition Coordinator, Kevin Carver. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Nikki. I'm excited to be speaking with you. <laughs> Me too. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Nicole, but I usually go by Nikki. I go to Teaneck High School, and I just love writing. Awesome. Which year of high school are you in? Uh, I'm a junior now. I'm sure you're looking forward to the summer. You have plans for the summer? Yes, I got a job as a camp counselor, and University of Southern California just accepted me into their pre-college screenwriting program. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So you were honored this year at the Young Playwright Competition for your play. El Latido de Corazón, which means the beat of the heart. For the beat of the heart. We're going to give it a listen right now. Without giving anything away, can you give us a quick intro? It's about a daughter with a weak heart and a father who ends up caging his daughter a little bit while trying to keep her safe. Great. So without further ado, let's listen to the play. El Latido del Corazón by Nicole Beltry. It is 1935 in Spain. The sun is beginning to set, but color and music continue to embellish the streets of Madrid for Carnival. Agustin, a tired old construction worker, and Dolores, his daughter, a teenage girl with a fragile heart, live in an apartment that had become dull and gray with time. With a weak heart, all Dolores can do is watch, bound to a torn-up cushion that sat in front of a gated window. As the apartment's entrance creaks open, Dolores looks over her shoulders to the other side of the room. Augustine walks through. He is a burly man, towering over every piece of furniture as he removes his coat and locks the door behind him. He stops what he's doing and looks over to Dolores. She makes sure their eyes meet before turning away. He is used to this. He sets his bag on a chair and throws his keys inside the bag. I swear, during Carnival, the days feel longer. Can you believe people at my job are now blasting music as they work? Like the hammers clanging, clanging away wasn't torturous enough. If I could stay inside with you instead of rebuilding, that I would do in a heartbeat. Dolores. Sion Papi. Dios te bendigas. Is it that hard to greet your father? Maybe. So how was your day? Finally learned something new? Plenty, actually. Really? No, not in the slightest. And I may learn nothing ever again. Pajarita, don't be like that. I know how girls get in your years, but I thought you knew that. Well... Just so you know, the impertinent merchant is back, and, uh... And? Well, he's only gotten worse. Seems all he'll ever do is give discounted prices to women he wants to sleep with, and fair ones to the men he favors. Oh, in what way? 
along with his unfair prices. I just know he wants to catch me in an act. I can feel his hot breath down my back every time I so much as even look at an apple. Well, as your beautiful daughter, I can come with you. For the prices, that is. No, Dolores, don't start this nonsense I'll be again. quiet and behaved and by your side the whole time. You know your heart wouldn't be able to handle it. But Mommy's did. She went out with you all the time. That was then. This is now. End of discussion. What about Marjorie, huh? You took her out all the time, so what about me? Don't. We're not doing this again. Just one night. I want to come home to a loving daughter who once, for once, minds her mouth and listens. How long do you expect me to just silently waste away here, obediently staring out the window of this cage? It's your home, Paraguita. It's a house. Your house. And a cage for every woman that has the misfortune of meeting you. How many times? Your heart is weak, and you won't be able to withstand the outside. If it wasn't for New Age medicines, you would have been dead. So what are you not getting? The fact that we can't even take one little stroll around the park. I refuse to lose another daughter. But that's the thing. There won't even be a chance to lose me if we go out. I don't have the strength to run off like her. And you could even tie us, arm and leg, if that makes you feel better. You wouldn't even be safe if you could go outside, which you cannot. So stop taunting yourself with fairy tales and give me a break. Every day, I watch kids half my age run up and down cobblestones, taunting everyone in sight. And I'm the one who's not safe? And I don't know why you're acting like Marjorie's dead. She seems pretty alive to me. What the hell does that mean? I, you know what, Dolores? I've had enough. I can handle the world. Please, just... This conversation is over. Just listen to me for once. Do you hold depleting ears, too, or do you willfully choose to ignore the accounts of rebellion everywhere? Spain is more divided than ever, ready to split anyone of their tongue if the wrong thing is said. And you think that this is the right time to wander through the park? I choose not to believe fact I've never witnessed. Then you're as ignorant as the day you came out. You haven't seen anything life has to offer, yet you choose to believe unchecked words off the dying streets of Madrid before even thinking to read a newspaper, let alone a book. You're much too childish and stubborn and easy to lose. Easier than Mommy and Margie? Because if I'm recalling correctly, I'm the only one you have left. Dolores. Augustine. You dare speak to me that way. I'm your father. You plan on being the only one I ever speak to, so maybe you should have prepared yourself for conflict. Especially if you're only going to think for yourself. I'm not playing your games tonight. What? Am I the only woman you won't talk to? Not tonight. Augustine snatches his work bag and attempts to leave. Dolores sees her mother's shawl peeking out of his bag. She runs over and snatches it, waving it in the air. Mommy's mentia. What the hell are you doing with this? You should know. Never to go through a man's things. You never think of Mommy. So why is this in your bag? Never. I think of her most every second of my life. I was just going to get the old thing fixed up to remember her better. Remember her better? Yes, because I feel I haven't been thinking of her enough. 
want to know why that is? Yes, I care about her, Dolores. You're being hysterical. Actually, it's the exact reason why that impertinent merchant picks on you so. And exactly why Marjorie ran away. Enough with the Marjorie! <laughs> enough! You've had enough? Well, word on the street is all you want to have is Marjorie. You simply cannot get enough of Marjorie. Oh, did you forget? Need me to remind you who mommy named my sister after. Thea Marjorie, the woman who grew up with her since birth, who was by her side every time she was sobbing over you. Marita, I... The two of you should be ashamed of yourself. Your wife dies and you decide to go flirt with her best friend. How dare you? And the audacity you show by attempting to give away her favorite mantilla, mistaking it for some old thing. How dare you? I didn't want to believe what Margie was telling me, but now? You're so selfish. All we had was mommy, and when she left, instead of stepping up, you decided to disappoint us one last time. Food had to get on the table somehow. And I knew how suffocating life was without her. Trust me. I knew the two of you desperately needed someone who sincerely understood your conditions like your mother. So I chose as best I could. It's been three years. If you wanted a replacement, you would have done so by now. And we wouldn't have accepted her anyways. Well, I had to try. And I'm so sorry that I learned too late. I just want to stop feeling weak at the thought of her. Your assumptions were right about the Mantilla. I was hoping to ask Marjorie to, to move in with me today. But she wasn't there, so good day to get caught, I guess. Now you've done it. And I pray you don't love her. Because she's eloped with the merchant's son. She what? The streets haven't lied to me yet, and God forbid they lie to me now. It's all the town's ladies talked about this morning with baskets of pastries for them. Probably why he's giving them all sales now. There you go. Lying again. Enough with the street nonsense, Dolores. What? I'm serious. Why would I lie now? Why do you act as if my brain is rotting like your heart? There's so many petty reasons you would string together these inane accusations. Why would you say that? Do you desire her so badly you're willing to run around in circles? Oh, please. You act as if you care so much about your mother and sister, yet you always bring them up as a reason to get away from your family. And this is why you never seem to hear the words of anyone around you. You can never get your giant head out of your ass. Oh, so you must know what they're saying. You must know because you always know, don't you? That you're a horrible father that seals away his daughters like animals. That your dearest sister Marjorie is dead, Dolores. That my daughter, our family, is dead. <sighs> they say her heart began to fail in the middle of the street. The cobbler's wife screaming as she was dragged into the night. And they can't find her, not even a trace. 
only did you try to replace mommy, but now you're trying to replace Marjorie with the same mistress? You're sick. And sure, I may not be able to go outside, but you shouldn't be allowed. You're crueler than the blood that poisons my heart, and God forbid another person gets unknowingly wrapped in your insanity. I wish I weren't your daughter. Only mommy's. Her heart gives out, and Dolores drops the shawl, reaching yeah. out to grab onto yeah. her dad. Breathe. Keep your eyes closed. Augustine cradles Dolores and rushes back to the couch. He presses a hand over her eyes and his other on her heart as he begins to rock back and forth. I have been cruel tonight more than I ever should have been. I shouldn't have stressed you like that. Because of my heart? Please, no more arguing. Don't hurt yourself. It's not me. I, I know, I know. No, you don't. Why can't you understand, Poppy? I just want to live. I want to sing and dance with the city. I want to hear the shores and know the true height of my own home. I want to see the sun as it sets to the west and feel grass whisk between my toes as I laugh through the night. I want to know where the birds fly and where the kids go when the rain starts to pour. How carriages are made and people too. And why everything in this house suddenly turned gray. So what if you can tell me? So what if you can't? I don't want a book or newspaper or even the streets to tell me how to live. I want to feel it. See it, taste it, experience it. Because what good is my life if I can't even live it? In the end, all I've learned here are that my eyes are as useless as my body and I will never be able to earn my freedom, let alone take it. I'm trying. I know. I know, okay? I've heard the same reason my whole life, and I get it. I get it. I get it, so maybe you should go. I want to keep at least you, Dolores. I know. At least you do. Augustine lifts Dolores and places her back into her worn-out cushion and turns to leave. Papi? Yes? I love you. I love you more. Once he's gone, Dolores silently picks up her mother's shawl from the floor. Wrapping it over her hair, Dolores keeps her eyes on the floor as she silently cries. She goes to sit back down but realizes her father left his work bag with the keys to the door sitting inside it. She dashes to the bag, quickly snatching the keys. She looks through the hallway, and then the door. And like that, Dolores swiftly unlocks the door and runs into the night. The end.
great play. You should be very proud. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about how your play evolved? I actually wasn't planning to write this, but I had had three different teachers send me the competition. And I felt that if it was coming to me that many times, that it was meant to me and thought of the story uniquely for this competition. I love the setting for the play. How did that come about? The setting reflects kind of my culture as someone Hispanic. Though I am Dominican and the story takes place in Spain, I thought it would be cool to find a different location that's in my culture or around there and just experiment with a different setting. But also my birthday is in Carnival, so I thought it would be cool. Shout out to my birthday. So I I also find it very interesting that the house itself, you know, it's such a counterpoint of kind of the the vibrant life going on outside and then the almost uh, kind of a kind of a history of death. I feel that in most stories tone and setting really establish the atmosphere and add much more than it has credit for. So it definitely was intentional when I wrote that the house was decrepit and gray and having that contrast that juxtaposition outside, I thought it added a lot of layer to the story. And it was fun to play around with. Like such an intense scene is going on inside and outside you're hearing sounds that just don't match what you're seeing. And you feel the stress and how torn Dolores is. Did you find like, oh, this would work really well if I actually have her to be like a legitimate reason why maybe she has to stay inside? I think from the beginning, I saw that plot line happening, but it develops because I thought of both of their sides before this. I'm not a fan of one-sided arguments. I think that a story that can tear an audience is something I want to tell. And it was more of Augustine trying to keep Dolores in and an argument instead of family concern and family relations. Do you have a favorite character? I do. (laughs) I do. And it's Augustine, the dad I know. Why is that? I just think that even though I fully understand Dolores and I would act the same way if I were in her position, having only your daughter left and looking for the only female figure, like looking for another female figure to take the place of the women in her life she lost, but also yours and falling in love with that woman. I feel that it's very understandable why he acts the way he acts. And he's not perfect, but I think that his his flaws really add. I'd say Augustine was a combination of a lot of what is it, male role models I have in life. I feel Augustine was inspired by my dad, a few of my teachers, and hearing how they like speak about their kids, the love they hold, but also the strictness. And Dolores was based off myself, of course, as a teenage girl, I know how it is. But also a lot of my other friends who feel just like her, like caged birds who want to go out and experience their lives. I I understand both sides. On one side, it's like you want to go out and experience that teen movie that you see everywhere. But on the other hand, older guardian figures know that it's not safe. And in this case, I take out the going too far aspect in Augustine and the blunt roughness uh, that a teenage girl can have. 
maybe it's just because I am a parent, but at the end when she makes the decision to go out and, you know, live her life, that you can't help but be nervous for. It's, you know, there's a, a certain, like, element of almost dread. Yeah, I mean, it's scary because this teen girl who's never been out is going out. In one case, it's like she's going out to live her life. Good for her. But also she hasn't lived a life. She doesn't know how it is. And you can't help but worry if she knows what she's doing, if she'll just leave the streets and wander them like her sister and maybe something bad happens to her. There's no one who's going to be there to help her. Or any, maybe if she has any, like, medical needs that have to stay in the building, she won't have them. Now, is there anything in the play that you, in retrospect, that you would want to delve deeper into or change in any way? I found that a lot of people were confused on who Marjorie was. I did try to make it as clear as possible, but I can get how when you're watching the play and you don't have captions at the bottom to follow along and you can't pause the video for yourself, it can get a little confusing. So in retrospect, I think that if when I'm directing this, I'd either slow down my actors to really let it settle in with the audience or I'd make it as clear as possible in the text. How did you come up with the names? So my family, we go to Mexico every year and it's great, but they have a cafe called Dolores. And I love that cafe. And I don't know what it was. It came to me and it was, it felt special for this. Plus the cafe is really good. The food is amazing. <laughs> yeah. For Augustine, I didn't really have a name in mind. I just, I was looking, I feel every artist or writer does this. They go on baby names and scroll through them until they find something that rings. And that's what I did for Augustine. I equate it being somewhat religious. Does it come naturally for you? I get that a lot, actually. I've always been a dialogue person. I love how people speak to each other and how, like, there are different background factors that can affect that speech. I grew up around a lot of relatives who, like, English was their second language that they learned way later in life. And it's hearing how they speak compared to how people who are native to America, born and raised here, speak. I, I decided to incorporate some of that. I took a lot of inspiration from my relatives. What usually comes first for you when you're writing? The plot or the characters? I think that stories and writing, they start with a feeling. It's It grows from that feeling in the way that it needs to develop. Usually I get that feeling through pictures or songs. Music is my biggest inspiration. I wouldn't have written half the things I have if it wasn't for music. Because music brings a lot of emotion out of me. And this story specifically started with characters and then plot. Which is kind of interesting since the plot in this one is a little complicated. But I feel that there's no set way to really start a story. It's more just once you feel that, what is it, that spark, ignition, like you light a match like that, that's... You should write it down and express it in whichever way that comes natural. I feel that I can sense the emotion or intention behind songs. The one that inspired this one was Mexican Dream by Piero Picconi? Picconi? And Heaven on the Beach with You by Robert Lester Folsom. 
What's the most difficult part of your writing process? The most difficult part of writing, I guess, would be plotting. Not really plotting, staying to the plot. I'm very much not a pantser because I know that if I pants, it's never going to end. So I always plot my stories beginning to end. I fix it up. I make sure there are no plot holes. And I leave room for me to play around with the dialogue and so. But it's more like I have to get to each beat as I planned. And the hardest part is that because I always want to add something new or add a new layer to my story. And I end up having a little too much fun with dialogue or action and get a little lost. Oh, have you written other plays before? Uh, yes, I wrote the play that it, my school's upcoming play. So fall 2020, we're doing my play. It's going to be awesome. And I wrote another play that I submitted to Princeton for their junior 10-minute play writing competition. And I hope I win that. And I've just written plays for funsies, for me and my friends, and so on. Do you do acting? Yes, I was a main character in the last play my school put on. And it was really fun. It was my first time being in the limelight, and I enjoyed it a lot. I write screenplays. I write poetry. I'm working on a novel. Um, but besides that, I did dance for nine years, and that was really fun. Certified ballerina. I sing. I play guitar. I draw. I'm watching movies, reading books. I just finished The Stranger by Albert Camus, I think. That's how mm -hmm. you pronounce his last name. Yep. It's really good. I liked it. Now, do you, do you find that you ever run into like writer's block? I used to a lot, but recently I haven't. And I think it's because I don't force myself to write. And I, I know it's a little against writer laws, I see, because everything I read, it says, keep a journal and write every day, even if you don't want to. But I find when I push myself too hard or I try to force something out of me, it doesn't sound as good as if I just let myself feel a feeling and get it out. But also, I it's not like I wait dormant and just wait for that feeling to come back up. I try to listen to music or think about it or visualize my goals to bring that inspiration back. Was this performed as well in other places at your school or anything like that? Currently... I'm trying to get into film school, so my theater teacher and my video teacher, or film teacher, are helping me out, and we're recording a version of this with me as the director. Now, do you have teachers, family members, friends that helped you along in the process? The three teachers that sent me were my English teacher, Mr. Linsky, really cool, always assigning things. It's it's great. My theater teacher, Mr. Murphy, he was very excited when I won. He's great. And my creative writing teacher, I don't take creative writing anymore, but as I'm in uh, the literary club, I'm talking to him all the time, Mr. Rada, and he's how I get my free books. It's awesome. But also, I think my guidance counselor, Mr. Book, and of course, my friend, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't want their names mentioned. They're very <laughs> private people. But I would just send them to drafts and be like, read this at like one in the morning. And they'd wake up just groaning. But they'd read it, critique it, and tell me to go back to sleep. But 
all these people and obviously family and more friends, they're, I think I have very supportive people in my life and I'm very blessed and thankful for that. Do you have any plans for what you're hoping to write next? Yes, I have a few songs that I want to make videos based off and I want to try and write things more reflecting of how, of people in my life, like right now in current situations. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for speaking with us today, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. This has been Kevin Carver talking with Nikki Beltry. On behalf of the Theater Project, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theater Project Thinks About. Our audio engineer was Gary Glore, and our theme music was by Gail Liu and Damien DeSandes. Our audio description was provided by Gary Glore. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider leaving a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.